1: Brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl
0: Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast. Stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Sarah Foster, welcome to Better Reading. Thanks for having me. I was going to say you've been with us... Well, I am going to say, because you've been with the Better Reading community um, throughout its entire journey, right?
2: We absolutely met yeah we've watched really? it grow and grow it's been fantastic because yeah. Yeah. we met very early on didn't we we did yeah in perth
0: yeah yes that
2: was, yeah yeah and That's i think right. i was on book four or something it wasn't yeah now it's book seven so yeah
0: so there you go so you're an oldie well, well, what we call an oldie um, <laughs> and what we call a resident author as well sarah foster is the best-selling author of six psychological thrillers including you don't know me the hidden hours and all that is lost between us she is also also currently undertaking a PhD at Curtin University about dystopian fiction. The Hush is her latest thriller about a group of women determined to triumph against the odds in the near future. Very, very topical
2: and timely. Absolutely. Yeah, more than I realised when I started writing it, to be honest, a lot has happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Now let's go back to how it all started. Tell me how writing came to you.
2: Oh, so at the very beginning, um, writing came to me as a child. I was just absolutely obsessed with writing and I've got um, school books that say what do you want to be when you grow up and mine was always author, writer. So I've been doing it from day dot in my life. (laughs) Isn't that interesting because a lot of authors that I
0: speak to, um, even though they probably knew they were going to be a writer, they couldn't identify with it because they didn't know that that could be a real job.
2: Right. yeah. But you well, were
0: sure back then.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know whether it was partly because I was an only child. So I had a lot of time to spend in my imagination and found writing very early on and knew that I loved it. So I was producing things quite early and sending short stories off to competitions and all sorts of things. So yeah, I was definitely in there from a kid. <laughs> and were your parents encouraging that? Yeah, well, I my mum was a single mum till I was twelve, so and then she got remarried. Mum was always a big reader, and I remember growing up with her bookshelf and her books surrounded me all the time. Took me to the library all the time, so very encouraging. Yeah. What was she reading? Well, she loved things like Jean Plady. Lots. of I knew you were going to say that. I Victoria Holt. Yeah, but she she also varied a lot. You know, she had a lot of different things on her bookshelf. Definitely thrillers. Yeah, um, historical fiction as well. That would be another big one for her. So I think the variety that she had on her shelf from kind of very commercial to quite literary fiction was really great for me as well. So saw a breadth of fiction early on.
0: Because, you know, back then there wasn't YA really, in a way, there wasn't that genre. So you
2: could have started to dip into
0: those books when you were hitting 12 and 13.
2: Absolutely. And it's funny that you say that because the studies that I've been doing have been so interesting about the YA genre. Um, but one of the things that has occurred to me is that by having this genre, we don't we can kind of separate ourselves from my our mother's bookshelf a little bit because we've now got this separate collection of books that we can go to. Whereas, and I think that's a bit of a shame, really, because it was quite a connective thing with my mum to be able to take the books off the shelf and read them, and she would recommend them to me, and we would talk about them together. And really, The Hush is about trying to reintroduce a bit of that as well, by putting in different generations of women and hopefully allowing them to have that conversation where they're all featured in the book together. It's not about any one or the other. And um, yeah, bringing a little bit of that back, I think. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, that's an interesting way to look at it. Tell me about
2: writing your first book and the path to publishing. Okay, so my first book was Come Back to Me, and uh, that was published in 2010. I struggled with that book for a while. I sort of went on and off doing it. I was working as a book editor at the time, which again was oh. fa- fantastic background yeah. work in that sense. Um, so I worked as a book editor for 10 years before I published my own books. And I was freelancing, doing all sorts of things, and those jobs are quite time-demanding. So I would always work and come back to me in my spare time, but never really got around to finishing it. And it was really only when I was about to turn 30 and I thought, I'm just dabbling still and I haven't really committed to this book. So I took a few months off from work and I actually made sure that I finished it. And a funny, funny story, in the middle of that, I wrote another book, that I suddenly had a brainstorm about, uh, which was about women that didn't want to have children. And I wrote that in six weeks. And I sent that off to all sorts of agents and got some very nice feedback, but generally no. <laughs> but it was my one, it was the agent Tara, who I'm still with now, who wrote and said, have you got anything else? And come back to me was something else. So that book was my way in. <laughs>
0: Being an editor, I want to talk a little bit about that because do you think that helped learn the craft of writing? Would you? Think? Yes,
2: absolutely. Yeah. I think it's yeah. just done me good in all sorts of ways. And to be honest, if I had the time now, I'd still have to keep my hands in editing because it's a totally different way of looking at a book and deconstructing it and I'm able to do that now with my own books and I think it gives me an advantage when I'm handing books in because I can already do that before I give them in. I think you do need a little bit of a step back sometimes to be able to do it but The the ability to analyse your fiction is fantastic.
0: Tell me a little bit, or tell our listeners a little bit about the editing process, because the way I see it, and not that I've been an editor, but it's kind of a bird's eye view, isn't it, about your manuscript? It's somebody that's pulling themselves, taking themselves away from the emotion, away from the closeness of the book and looking down at it with a different view,
2: a different eye. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... The good thing about editing is that it allows you to zoom in and out. So in a formal yes. editing process, you would start with a structure, which is very, um, yeah, it's that overview look. You're looking at whether the plot fits together, whether the characters have a proper arc, all that kind of thing. And then you gradually zoom in until you're going line by line and then word by word almost. And so, but the it's a great thing to be able to actually zoom in and out, particularly as you're writing. And editing is another type of craft, really. So to actually have those skills and be able to apply them while you're writing is really useful.
0: Mm. I do speak to a lot of authors, not on this podcast, but just socially where people don't really understand the process and don't want anyone to touch their book. (laughs) And I often if I could have the opportunity where 10 people wanted to help me out to make whatever I'm doing better, I'd grab
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. Really being scared of editing is that fear of the unknown and fear of someone changing your work rather than realizing that someone is going to enhance your work, which is a totally different thing. So as well, that has also helped me in my own career because I didn't come to it with that fear. I came knowing that the people who are going to look at my book are only there to make it better. Sometimes right. that does mean a difficult conversation, <laughs> but it also means that you're going to end up with something that's so much better and tighter than you could have dreamed of in the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how do we get the first book published? So,
2: so then again, <laughs> that story continues. So Tara then had the book and worked on it for a year. Uh, and then she- because a lot of people knew me in the industry, because I was editing, we actually sent it out to everyone under a pseudonym, which was fantastic because, and it was Eva Miller. I still remember that name. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't <laughs> know that. Yeah. But that was great because it got people interested. And so I think people read it a little bit faster than maybe they would have done otherwise and tried to guess who it was. Uh, but then I was very lucky with Come Back to Me because I had four or five people interested and I actually got to fly over to Sydney when two publishers were offering the same thing and meet them both and then choose which one I wanted to work with, which is a dream start for any author, I think. Fantastic. And how did you feel? Amazing. Like, I, I don't think it's still sunk in now sometimes. It's just <laughs> incredible to have people read and appreciate what you've written and get what you're trying to do with your work. And um, it's felt fantastic all the way that that happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that you finally became the writer that you wanted yeah, to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to me, too, with having all the knowledge that you have, how often is it that you think about the reader when you're writing? Talk to me about that conversation, because that's another thing. Sometimes I can read a book and think, hmm, they haven't thought about me at all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really great question, actually. Um, That's something that's probably changed a little bit as I've gone along and become a bit more savvy. So I think to start with, I thought much more about what I wanted to write in the story. And then as I've gone along and learned the trade and seen reader feedback and began to think more critically about what I'm writing, I think now there is a bit more of a back and forth with the reader as I'm going along and I'm and I am constantly stepping in and out of the script. What do I like? What would they like? What um, what am I looking for to happen? And vice versa. I think that comes with practice though. I think that's a very mm. hard thing to do at the beginning. And I think once you've got a few books under your belt, you know, you can finish them. You know, you can enhance the story like we've talked about with the editing. Then you can afford to think about playing and perception and because you're not quite as nervous about that so i think that really helps
3: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh
1: in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: So then what did we say? Six, seven books under your belt. So why then would you do a PhD? <laughs>
2: <laughs> why on earth? <laughs> well, it was a funny time actually because... My books were chugging along nicely, but not really doing all that much at that time. And I just had my second daughter and I was thinking about how I was going to get back into the industry. And then it proved quite difficult to sell one of that. I think it was all that's lost between us. Um, And I thought to myself, well, if I'm not going to be able to get the kind of deal that I want, maybe I should study a bit more. And so I applied for this scholarship with Curtin. And I've been fascinated by the topic of missing mothers in dystopian fiction for young adults. It had grown on me over quite a few years. So I put that application in. In the meantime, when I was waiting to find out whether I got that, I got the deal <laughs> I wanted for all that's lost between us. And then I found out that I had this scholarship for to work it with Curtin as well. And both opportunities seemed fantastic. So me being me, decided I would try and do everything. (laughs) Just (laughs) after you've had your second child. Oh, I know, which has caused me a lot of ups and downs over the past few years. But I think it's because I really believe in all the things that I'm doing. I believe in the books and the stories I'm trying to tell. And I really believed in the research. And every time I kept thinking I'm an idiot, I should stop something, I kept going, but what? Because I really, truly believe that this is great, you know really interesting work that i'm actually doing here and i can i want to delve into it further and it's going to only enhance my work and what i can contribute i mean it's really
0: interesting because um i mean people can do endless courses on writing and some people come out of it and they're able to marry the craft with ideas really well and others just can't get past the craft can they
2: Yeah, I think it's been nice that I'm not looking directly at the writing craft and and reading too many people talking about writing that. I'm actually looking at a theme Mm. um, because, yeah, that sometimes, yeah, you get bogged down in all that learning and you forget that there's got to be a seed of inspiration that just comes from you. Um, That would be a real shame, I think, if that happens. And sometimes I think as well, it's really easy to do courses. And I've been caught in this before. Well, you just do courses to put off the bit that you need to do, which is to actually sink into your own writing and your own creativity. So, yeah, you can look at it that way because as well. Because
0: then you get fearful, you know. I mean, that's Absolutely. the scary of right, You're Yeah, jumping in yeah. There and doing the
2: work, yeah. And it's a fine balance between listening to everyone's input and then deciding what you want to put out as well. That's got to be a balance. If you listen too hard, you just get lost in all that noise and information and it becomes harder to actually produce anything i think mm.
0: i've spoken to many authors that, that that say you know either or but does it get easier <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh that's another great question um elements of it do i think pursuing the great story is always a challenge it always pushes you and pushes you and i think as well when you've written a few books you want to challenge yourself more yeah. and so That is a continual challenge for me. I think the knowledge that you've finished a few uh, helps it. Uh, um, The things that you learn in every book helps the craft of writing and helps you not panic when you reach those points where you might get stuck. So in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. And how do you approach the day,
0: like the work day to day? What kind of writer are you? Are you a start at nine o'clock? Are you a thousand words kind of person? What kind of writer are you?
2: Well, (laughs) there is a level of organisation and a level of chaos, I would say. So I am quite organised in terms of I'll sketch out a plan of where I need to be when. um, And so I'll have a word count. With each book. Yeah, I'll have a general word count idea um, about what I want to achieve in the next few weeks and how that's going to fit and how I'm going to reach a deadline. But then day-to-day life for me is a constant juggle. So that doesn't always work very well. So what I've learned to do now is I try and do small sprints where I'm doing day-to-day work, where I might try and work and write 800 words a day. And then I do longer ones where I go away for a weekend and just completely immerse myself in what I'm doing, because I just find that getting away from the house particularly we've got you know family here and it's a busy household and sometimes i just need to focus so I've tried to do both. I think that's the way it works best for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess this doesn't apply to you because I don't think you guys experience you're in Western Australia and you didn't experience lockdown to the same extent as many authors that I spoke to, but some authors said to me, Well, you know, this is my life anyway. You know, all
3: the
2: we don't <laughs> leave the room much. <laughs> the first um lockdown that we all had back in yeah. March. Time 2020, that really helped me push the hush. Actually, because I suddenly didn't have anything else to do, wasn't running around taking the children places, and so in some ways, those brief lockdowns that we've had here have always meant I could do a work push that I wasn't expecting. But of course, yeah, it, it, we haven't had the same added stresses and strains as everywhere else. We've been very fortunate in Western Australia. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you think the lockdown? has impacted writers in terms of creativity. I know there's a lot of people saying, you know, we don't want to write about COVID. We don't want to write about a pandemic. And I understand that completely,
2: but there is an influence there, isn't there? Because life changed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we all have to be aware of it. I mean, when, because the type of book I was writing, when COVID first happened, I thought, can I continue this book? You know, it's it's literally about a pandemic that's kind of involves babies, you know, stillbirth. So, thinking, how can I do this? And the thing that spurred me on was knowing that I was trying to write a book about the power of women, basically, and the power of female friendship and resourcefulness. Um, And if I hadn't had that as the core of it, the core of it had been a pandemic. I think I would have stalled. Um, I think there are probably ways that we will learn to incorporate that into the work. I've certainly had to do it with the hush, um, which has been quite a good experience, really having to do it like that. I don't think we need to write lots of books about the pandemic, but it can be a backdrop in the books that it needs to be a backdrop in. And hopefully as time goes on, we'll find more and more ways of doing that.
0: Yeah, because we lived the life, didn't we? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: And it's changed us all, you know, it's changed the entire world. And we we won't know exactly how for a long time yet. So mm-hmm. we're all still floundering a bit, trying to figure that out. I think writers can be. Great in this kind of time, because you can look at this uncertainty and and try and find new ways to approach it and new things to bring out into this new world and so I think it it offers actually great opportunities for writers to explore, but it's also quite terrifying because we don't know we're yeah we're on even ground and we don't know what's going to happen next so
0: mm. I know that you've got two young children. Because people have spoken to me about the impact on kids. And I tend to think that kids are quite resilient. And that's going to form who they are as they grow up. As a parent, how do you look at it?
2: Um I think that it is it has had quite a deep impact on my children and they are at home. Maybe that means I hear more about their thoughts because you know we're obviously homeschooling them at the moment. So yeah, I, I do get the sense that. They're very much shaped by what is going on around them. I know my younger daughter has been quite nervous about COVID the whole time. She's taken the illness side of it to heart. My yeah, older daughter, wow. my older daughter struggles to see her future in the same terms I would have done at 12, at twelve. She's twelve, you know, and already she talks about that future with a lot of uncertainty about what the world is going to do and be like. And we have to keep bringing her back to you know, the bits that she can control and the bits that she can't because, yeah. yeah, that's all we can do. But I definitely think it's going to have a real resonance with that generation and on top of that we've got climate change as well. To, um yeah. So, yeah, we've just, and again, we need to, as writers, we can think about how we contribute to supporting people who might be struggling in that, how we can write the kind of stories that people might want to read that don't shy away necessarily from what's going on, but also look in new directions to try and figure things out.
0: Okay, tell us a little bit about The Hush.
2: Okay, so The Hush is set in England in the near future, and it's at a time when there's been a number of unexplained stillbirths occurring across the country, and also pregnant teenage girls are going missing. So in response to this, the government has decided to clamp down on personal freedoms, particularly women's freedoms, and has also increased their powers of surveillance across the whole population. So then into this story come my main characters of Lainey and Emma. Um, So Emma is the mum, and she works as a midwife at the local hospital, and she is determined to help the women who need her there. And Lainey is her daughter who goes to the local high school. And she has a friend, Ellis, who is among the missing girls. So that's the setup of the story. And as the story progresses, these two women realise that the danger is becoming more and more personal to them. And as they do, they need to turn to this kind of formidable group of female family and friends and look to them to help them get to safety and also to find out the truth of what's actually going on in this horrible world.
0: Mm. it's um how would you describe the genre <laughs> yeah, yeah it's very tricky as it usual because, I'm... Um, it's yeah <laughs> I mean we're certainly not putting you in a category are we but I felt that it was part crime fiction part horror yeah part dystopian
2: yeah I right? think yeah yeah near future crime thriller yeah. with a dystopian So, yeah, multi-generational as well, which is, yeah, a bit different. And a feminist story in a way as well. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so definitely looking at how women work together, the original ways women can fight back against things that happen, trying to set off with a dystopian-style story but really take it somewhere a little bit new. So although it's very, very traumatic and horrific what is happening, I hope that I have a balance between how much we exist in that world and how much we exist in the world of the women trying to move forward and fight back and figure things out and work together and all those more empowering things that I'm trying to bring into that fiction.
0: Yeah, it's certainly fiction with meaning. Do you sometimes think about how your books will age?
2: (laughs) <laughs> well probably enough with this one yes I do I'm very yes. curious as to how it will age could be a good thing or a bad thing depends on what happens with this one I don't know some of the others not so much but yeah this one is so timely and topical and again I started writing it and having the idea for it back in 2015 2016 the world was completely different this was meant to be futuristic fiction not contemporary It was meant to have a social narrative in it, you know, like a social commentary, because I'm interested in ideas and particularly what happens when people's rights are curtailed and all those different how people personally fight back and the nature of belief and all that kind of thing. But it's morphed through the years of Donald Trump as president, the Me Too movement, it's become, and now COVID, it's become something very much more topical than I even realised it would be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that that, John, where where do you feel most comfortable in your writing style?
2: Um, Well, this, I I wouldn't necessarily write near future the whole time. This fitted the story. Uh, So I think I feel most comfortable when I find a character in a situation that, just won't let me go, whatever that is. Definitely women-centred, I tend to write about women, Um, definitely about those close personal relationships and the psychological aspects of what's going on around them, how people deal with it in a very personal way. So there's elements that I think run through the core of my books, but my books end up being quite different because I just get fascinated by something that's going on or something I've read, and I'll take the story in that direction.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sarah Foster, we're out of time. Thank you so much. Super interesting. Congratulations. on. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au.
1: This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio.